Greetings, welcome back to another ongoing series of Shurim and Afyomi. My name is Yitzchak Shalom. We're now in Masachet Brachot, Tavtet Amudbet, about to take a look at what is commonly seen as the second Mishnah in uh, Masachet Brachot, although in some of the Seder Mishnayot it's Mishnah Dawad. <coughs> in any case, in the first Mishnah or Mishnayot, we dealt with the time of Kriyat Shema at night. Now we will deal with the time for Kriyat Shema in the morning. From the point that you could tell the difference, meaning there's enough light that you could tell the difference between blue and white. What kind of blue? The blue of Tchelet. Rabbi Eliezer, or Maryam, says it's a later time, Ben Tchelet Lekarti, the different shades of blue, which means it has to be much lighter for much closer to sunrise. Ad and we find out later that this is Rabbi Yezer's opinion, which is that you only have until sunrise, by which time everybody has pretty much gotten up. Rabbi Yeshua, man, remember what Rabbi Yezer's opinion was about nighttime Shema, that it's only while you're in the process of going to sleep, and therefore he says, and here he says, as long as you were in the process of getting up, by sunrise most people have gotten up. That certainly was true in the pre-industrial world. Rabbi Yeshua, he says you have until three hours, so three hours means basically half the morning. If you take the time from sunrise to sunset and divide it into 12 equal parts, that will give you a sha'azmanit, something we will deal with in detail uh, in the beginning of the fourth parak. If you have three of those, which would be half the morning or half the distance from sunrise to midday, and here I'm taking the Gaon's approach, uh, then that gives you a Rishua's time. And what's his reason? Kings get up that late, which means there's a distinguishable, identifiable and distinct group that sleeps until that time of the morning, and therefore that's still considered uvakumecha. If you read later than that, you haven't lost anything, meaning there's nothing, no downside to reading Shema later than that time. Because you're reading Torah, meaning you certainly did not read it in the proper time, but there's no reason not to read it if you get up that late. Now, the Gemara immediately asks, "My ben Tchelat Lolavan." What does Tchelat Lolavan mean? Either I'm a ben Gvavad Amrachiv, a ben Gvavad Amrachelta. If you think it's a ball of yarn or a ball of wool that's white and blue, two different uh, yarns, then Habalayi and Amleidiyad, that you could see that at night. El ben Tchelat Shabbat Lolavan Shabbat. So, referring to the tzitzit, if you can tell the difference between the blue string and the white string. Okay, Tanya, Romer, Romer. So now we have just as we had in the beginning of the Masachet. Bright out with different opinions about when these manim are. From the time that there's enough visual acuity that you could tell the difference between a wolf and a dog. Between a domesticated donkey and a wild mule or something. When you see a friend from the distance of four steps away or so, and you can recognize him. says, that the halacha of all these opinions follows Achirim, even against our Mishnah, and that particular time, which we refer to commonly as Mishiachir, to the point that you could recognize an occasional friend from a distance of four amot away, that's the Zman of Kriyachma. Amar Ka'achirim. So Abaye says that we, we do accept Achirim's opinion, but not for Shema, but for Tfilin, meaning when can you first put on Tfilin? And consider it daytime, and you can make a bracha on it. Is a mishiakir, the kriyat shema. But when it comes to kriyat shema, kivatikin, we ideally rule like the vatikin. What's the vatikin? The Amar Rabbi Yochanan, vatikin hayu gomim ota im hanetzachama. The vatikin, which means the elders, the the very pious ones. 
used to, and here's a tricky word, gomrin, which we will right now translate as completed, im meaning they would say Shema before the sun rises, and uh, say the Brachot of Kriyat Shema with the sunrise, and Tanya Mihachi, if you bright to support this Kadesh Yismoch Geulah L'Tfilah, then Samit Parabayom. So he would say Geulah, immediately say Tfilah, Ga'al Yisrael, and Hashem's Fatai Tiftach, start Tfilah, and that would be at the first moment of day. And Rabbi Zerah, my cry, what's the Pasuk that supports this idea? Yira'ucha Im Shamesh V'Lifnei Arayach Dordorim. They fear you with the sun, and before the moon comes for generations. Now, what does this all mean? Uh, the simple read of it is that it means that there was a group of Vatikin, and this is their custom, and this is the ideal, which Abaye then promotes, to say Kriyachma just before sunrise, and finish the words Ga'al Yisrael, just as the sun is rising, and start Tefillah right at the moment of day, Im Shamesh. The Baal HaMor of Zachi Alevi has a different read here. He says, Gomrin, in the sense the, of the Aramaicus, which means to read, where the word Gemara comes from, meaning they would start saying Kriyat Shema at sunrise, and therefore they would say Gulal Etzfilah, and be Mitfabayam, of course it would already be a few minutes after sunrise, but that is not the issue, and he has support to that approach. Uh, a bit of time happens to rule the same way, he supports that approach uh, from the Gemara in Yoma, where uh, there was uh, different donations given to the Mikdash, including a golden brush that was put in the Mikdash, and when they saw the sun's rays, when the Kohanim saw the sun's rays glinting off of this golden brush, they knew it was time to say Kriyachma, indicating that Zaman Kriyachma really is after sunrise, or at sunrise itself. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit more about Smichat Gul so he testified from the ancient community of Yerushalayim, the holy community, If you put right next to one another, you won't be heard all day. Uh, I did that, and I, on that very day I got hurt. What was, your, what was the inconvenience that you experienced? That you had to bring some myrtles to the, see the king? You should have paid for that opportunity. It wasn't a trouble, it was a privilege. You should always try to go see Machay Yisrael. Of course, Rabbi Yochanan's time, there were Machay Yisrael. Even to go see non-Jewish kings. If you are careful and you merit it, then you'll see the non-Jewish kings in all of their splendor, and nonetheless, you'll be able to tell the difference between Malchay Yisrael, who are righteous, and these Malachim. So it's a good thing to see that. There was, of course, a bracha said when you see a king, when you go up there, when you, this is Rabila saying to Ula, when you go up to Territ Israel, go find Rabula, uh, who was uh, my brother, who was one of the mitzvot. He's a very great person and he loves mitzvot. He gets very happy when he does mitzvot. One time he was able to be Samech Gulalit and his whole day he couldn't, he didn't stop smiling. He was so happy about it. Now Tosfot on the spot asked the question, says, we do this every day. We always say Gal Yisrael and immediately Tfilah. What's the big deal? So Tosfot says, all of these great statements are talking about being Samech Gulalit with the exact second of sunrise. 
Okay, Hechem Atzisamech, and this is something that we saw referenced earlier. How can you be Sumech Gula with Filah? Vahamar Yochanamit Chilahomer, Asher Misfatai Tiftach, or Asher from here, the Rosh Hashanah. You have to start Shmoneser with this introductory line, Hashem Sfatai Tiftach, which interrupts between Gal Yisrael and Baruch. So, Rabbi Wazar, Tehei B'Tfilah Shal Arvid. Fine. So, uh, perhaps uh, you say Hashem Sfatai Tiftach only in Arvid. And in the morning, not. V'ham Rabbi Yochanan, Ezebun Allah, V'Bazah, Sumech Gulal, Shal Arvid, L'Tfilah Shal Arvid. We saw this back on Daftalin. Rabbi Yochanan, who was the one who said, you have to say Hashem Sfatai Tiftach, also said, you have to be Sumech Gulal, L'Tfilah, in the evening. So we have an easy answer. So good. At Mincha, and indeed the Minhag of some Ashkenazim is to add an extra pasuk before Hashem's Fatai Tiftach, Kishem Hashem at Mincha, because there's nothing to be so mech to. And he says, therefore, Rabbi Yochanan's statement about Hashem's Fatai Tiftach is a Mincha. No, you can say Hashem's Fatai Tiftach in front of at the beginning of each Tfilah as we do. Since the Rabbanon said that's part of Tfilah, it's part of Tfilah. So it's not a violation of Smichat Gulal Tfilah. Because if you don't give that answer, how could you ever be Somich at night, which Rabbi Yochanan recommended? You have to add Hashkivenu between Gal Yisrael and Tfilah. So since the rabbis said you have to uh, say Hashkivenu at night, then Hashkivenu uh, becomes like an extended gula, so it's not an interruption. In the same way, Hashem Svatay Tiftach is a pre-extension of Tfilah, and it does not comprise an interruption. The Gemara then goes on a tangent in exploring the Pasuki Hilu Ratzon, which in our Sifrei Tehillim, in our Tanachim, appears at the end of chapter 19 of Tehillim. Now, So Yehiyu Ratzon Refi sounds like it could be an introduction. May the words, meaning that I'm about to say be accepted, or it could be at the end, which is, may the words that I did say be accepted, so my time, uh, that means that I'm going to say, my time, why did they, Rabbanan, put it at the end? Why didn't they say, have Yehudu Ratzon be a beautiful introduction? So let me make should be said at the beginning. Because in Tehillim, it's at the end of 18 chapters. I mentioned it's the end of 19. So then the Gemara immediately asks, we're talking about it's at the end of chapter 19. Actually, the answer is, that what we have is Tilim 1, and Tilim 2 was originally one parak of Tehillim. How do we know that? Because what's the first word in Tehillim? Ashrei. What is the end of what we have as Tehillim bet? Ashrei kol chosevo. How do we know that 1 and 2 were originally 1? Because we have this bright, uh, this, uh, this quote from Shur and Pazi, um, that David had a hundred and three parshiyot of tefillin. And he never said the word hallelujah, which we think is very much associated with tefillin. It does not show up until David saw that the rishayim were destroyed. The problem is, of course, that that's at the end of chapter one hundred four, barchin avshi, which we traditionally say on Rosh Chodesh is the shir shalom. So hani mei avshalosh mei arvay avim. So you. you the Right, said it was 103. 
but this is 104. So you see that in the times of the Tanaim, they regarded the first two Parkim as one. Therefore, what we consider 19, they called 18, or what we consider 104, they called 103. Now, the reality is that our uh, layout of Tehillim, uh, which is 150 Prakim, is not a matter of consensus. And the Rishonim, and even the Rishonim mentions uh, an association of the 147 Prakim of Tehillim as corresponding to the 147 years of Yaakov's life, which means that in their makeup, several of our Prakim that are separated were together. An example of that is Perakakuf Yad Zayin, famously the shortest chapter of Tanakh of Tupsukim, but in the Rishonim's versions of Tehillim, it was an extent the end of Kuf Tetzayin, or at least in our counting. So in any case, that is how we see, but we see already here that the breakup of Tehillim is something that shifted over time. Now what's the reasoning behind all of this? Anything that David really liked, he started with the word Ashrei and ended with Ashrei. The first paragraph too, Ashrei Ha'ish. And he finished with Ashrei at the end of paragraph. So we see that they're originally considered to be one chapter. Uh, Tosot here points out that it's Lavdafka Ashrei, because you don't find that in many places as a beginning and an end. But he meant the same word, so therefore it says Hallelujah and Hallelujah, which we find, uh, for instance, in Kuf Yud Gimel, and we find it in Kuf Memvav, and Kuf Memzayin, Kuf Memchet, Kuf Memtet, and Kuf Nun. Those are all uh, the same sort of thing of starting and ending with the same word of praise. Okay, we're going to talk here about a little bit about the end of Kufdawa, the Tamukhatami Aretz with a story. Rameyer had some tough guys living in his neighborhood. They used to bother him a lot. Rabbi Meir was davening that they should die. I'm going to brew the veto, the very famous wise wife of Rameyer. Bruya said to him, My datech, well, why do you think that? That Chataim should die? It doesn't say sinners should die. Meaning sins should die. This is the hate the sin, not the sinner. Plus, look at the next part of the Pasuk. Which could mean the wicked are no more, or they are no longer wicked. Once the, the sinners are gone, so the wicked are gone. It's already a repetition. They should repent and correct their ways. And then repeat it as they are no longer wicked. for them, and they did tshuva. Now, one of the Christian sectarians was bothering Burian, and it's clear why a Christian would, would harass her with this pasuk, because the idea of a barren woman who hasn't given birth, of course, fits very well into... Uh, into certain parts of Christian thinking. Why should she be happy if she hasn't had a child? So You fool, look at the rest of the Pasuk. There are more sons of the destroyed one, of the desolate one, than the one who has had relations. So what's the pasuk clearly doesn't mean literally a barren woman. Rather, what does it mean? Am Yisrael should be very happy. Who is happy that she has not given birth to children that are going to go to Gehenim like you, and that's what her used the, the pasuk to get in a strong needle against this guy. Now we have a mean who would 
bother Rabbi Avar. Rabbi Avar, of course, lived in the third century in Kisaria and had lots of interactions with the Romans. So this mean was bothering. In Tilim Gimel, it describes the story of Avshalom. It, it, uh, there's a mean more than that. associated with David running away from Avshalom. Much later in Tilim, this is a, a song that David sang or composed when he was hiding out from Shaul in the cave. Famous story of Shaul and cutting his garment. So, hey, my Sahabarisha, which one happened first? Obviously, the story of Shaul happened much earlier, before David was even king. So, Lichtabarisha, why isn't it there first? So, he was not doing this to inquire, he was doing it to challenge. You guys do not read in your Bible smuchin, meaning juxtaposition being meaningful. So you have a problem, you want it to be in chronological order. But we do understand that juxtaposition is itself a rhetorical uh, and, and schematic uh, device to teach. We have no problem. How do we know <coughs> that the idea of smuchin of juxtaposition is meaningful. These things are held up, strengthened up, but it is also that they are set in apposition, and they are made straight and truthful. So the answer that he gave is, as we saw earlier, is an allusion to Gogo Magog, meaning in the future times, when there's going to be a great battle, so why is the story of Avshalom there? Could you have a servant rebelling against his, uh, against his master, like Gogo Magog evidently are? So you could answer him, Is there ever a son who rebels against his father? So you see from Avshalom, a son will rebel against his father. So you could also see that a slave will rebel against his master. Continuing on with the uh, discussion of the Tehillim and the makeup of Tehillim, um, Her mouth is opened in wisdom. So Shlomo, the author of uh, at least some of Mishlei, uh, who was who was he referring to in this pasuk? So La Mara, Ella Kenegad David Aviv. He was referring to David. He lived in five different worlds, and in each one of those worlds, he sang to God. Let's see what that means. First of all, he was in the uterus. And he praised God. How do we know that? All of my innards should praise him. So the idea is, that's who I am. He came out of the world and he saw the stars, and the constellations, and he sang. Praising the hosts of heaven. He suckled from his mother's breasts and saw them. Don't forget all of God's great things. What's the great thing here? That he put the breasts right at the place of the heart of wisdom. So what's the reason? So the child shouldn't have to look at the genitals. He shouldn't have to suckle from a place that's uh, disgusting. He saw, envisioned the death of Rishayim, or he saw it in his life. We already saw that. 
And then he saw the day of death coming from Ashira. You are very great and glorious. So my mashma yom mitam, and how do we know that that's about death? At the end of that pasuk, tertiv, a little few pasukim later, you hide your face and they die and they get scared. You then add in strength and they expire. So he's talking about death. He was studying from Shimpazi. And he was presenting Agadah to Rishuman Levi. So in other words, this is now what's going to happen in front of Rishuman Levi, and it's going to reflect back on what he learned with Rishuman Pazi. Why did he say, Praise God, all of my innards? God is not like man. Man makes a, can draw a drawing, let's say, on a wall. You can't put a spirit into it, or, or innards into it, or bowels into it. He makes a, a form inside a form, not on a wall, inside a form inside the belly. Put spirit and, and body and both bowels and everything into it. That's the great thing. That's why Chana said in her Shira, There is no one as holy as God. There is none other than Him. And there is no rock like our God. My What's the drasha? There's no, no artist like our God. My ki in beltecha, what does it mean in beltecha? You don't remember Manasya, I'll take in beltecha, in levalotecha. Not that there is none but you, but there is no way to make you go away. Unlike man, man creates something, and the thing outlives him. Sometimes it destroys him. Kodesh destroys and outlives things he creates. No, this is what I meant. Why does David say Barchinavshi five times? And that collection in Kuf Gimel and Kuf Dalad. So He said these five corresponding to God and the soul. So Nafshi et Hashem, my soul is like God, meaning it's a microcosm of God. Just like God fills the world, the soul fills the whole body. God sees but is not seen. Same thing with the soul. God feeds the world. The spirit feeds the body. Malkurish Baruch Hu Tahor, just like God is pure, Af Neshamat Tahora, the soul is also pure. Malkurish Baruch Hu Yosheva Chadwe Chadwim, God is in the inner sanctum, Af Neshamat Yosheva Chadwe Chadwim, the soul does all of that while still residing in the inner sanctum. The one who has these five things, meaning the soul, should come and praise the one who has these same five characteristics. And that's why he says, Barchin Afshi Et Hashem. Who is wise and who knows the solutions to things? Pasuk in Kohelet. Kohelet clearly was, was written or composed by a king of Yushalayim. You'll see why that becomes important here. Who is wise like God? Who knows how to bring two tzaddikim together and make a pesher, meaning a pshara here. Pesher actually means the solution to something, but here pshara meaning 
a, uh, a bridge that brings them together. It's connected to the word Gesher and Kesher. It's something that brings people together. It really means sort of a compromise. Ben Chizkiyahu Yishayahu. Famous story that shows up both in Sefer Malachim Bet and Yishayahu. Parallel passages. Chizkiyahu became very ill. So there's a crisis that happens before that. Chizkiyahu Marlet Yishayahu Gabai. I want the prophet to come to me. I'm the king. Even Eliyahu went to the wicked Achav, and I'm not a wicked king. Right? Chizkiyahu should come to me. I'm the prophet. He came to Elisha, and Elisha had him do the whole thing with the arrows. Of course, that was at Elisha's deathbed. So, then he told Yishayahu, do be kachon, go visit him. Shneemar, b'mimahem, chavah chizkiyahu, move over, v'avoy lav Yishayahu, when I'm out on Aviv, v'avoy lav, come out right, tzavu etcha kimei tatav lo tichia. So Yishayahu comes to him and says, you better put your affairs in order, because you're going to die and you're not going to live. My kimei tatav lo tichia, what does it mean? You're going to die and not live. You're going to die in this world and you're not going to live in the world to come. It's a terrible thing to say. Why is that the case? Because you didn't have kids. You should have had kids. He said, I saw kids that were no good. Why are you involving yourself in God's business? What you're commanded to do, you have to do. Whatever God wants to do, He's going to do. You have kids, and then God will take care of those kids. So give me your daughter. So maybe my schut and your schut together, and we'll have good kids. And Yishayahu says the decree has been made. You can't do anything about it now. I know Chizkiyahu thought maybe he could be relieved from the suffering and he wouldn't die as a result of doing tshuva and doing this mitzvah. Then he calls him by a, a formal name. Ben Amotz, Yishayahu, get, take your prophecy and get out of here. Why? I have a tradition going back to my ancestors, which is David. Even if you have a sharp sword right on your neck, you shouldn't stop davening. You never know when God can save you. Even if he's about to die, I will pray to him. And Masachat Soto, we look at that word low in two different ways. Uh, in any case, there was another Gersa that then tells the story that he ended up having these kids and he had Menashe uh, uh, and Rav Shakei. Rav Shakei becomes his kids, very interesting. And Menashe, of course, who was the worst king in the history of Yehuda, so. In a sense, Chizkiyahu was right, at least as far as the, the information goes, about who his kids were going to be. Uh, in any case, uh, the whole story there, which is in a different gear. So, even if uh, somebody who's known to have successfully prophetic dreams says, You're going to die tomorrow, you're not so much, still pray. Lots of dreams, lots of nonsense. You fear God. Miyat, so what happened? Chizkiah immediately turned to the wall and prayed to God. Mike here, why the wall? 
Rishim and Lakish, we saw this pasuk referred to earlier about Abba bin Yamin having his tefillah next to his bed. Couldn't be before the bed because it has to be in front of the wall. Mikirot libo. He says, what does care mean? He spoke to the walls of his heart. Shneemar, may I, may I, ochila kirot libi. I'm going to cry from my innards, from my bowels. It was a real sincere prayer. He actually mentioned a kir, a wall, in his prayer. What does that mean? You have this, the Shunamit in Malachim Bet Perak Dalin. Who made one little wall to make a separate room for Elisha. And Hechayit Abraham, you brought her son back to life. The famous story of Elisha. My ancestor Shlomo, who covered your entire Mikdash with gold and silver. How much more should you save me? And therefore he says, Remember how I've walked in front of you, in truth, and with a full heart, and I did what's right in your eyes. What does that mean? And this brings us back to where we were. That uh, he was, and therefore he should be saved. And this takes us to a sugya that we're going to see right now, about different things that Chizkiyahu did, sort of bold, actions that he took, some of which were approved of by the Chachamim and some of which were not. And here we see this Mishnah that actually, this Brighton that actually appears as a Mishnah um, in some of the versions in the uh, in Psachim. He did six things. Three of them the Chachamim supported, three they didn't. What did they like? They had a medical book, and when Rashi explains, people would consult the medical book and they wouldn't pray. So he hid it, he had it banned. They thought it was good. This is right there on the Psukim, that famous Nachash that Moshe was commanded to erect in the desert to stop the plague of the snakes. Uh, the people were praying to it, so Chizkiyahu destroyed it. Rodulo, they thought it was good. His father was an Oved so who died, he had a very degrading kind of burial for him. Rodulo, and they said that was good. Three things he did that were not good. He sealed up the waters of Gihon. Famously, he had the passageway built to bring the waters into the city to keep the enemies who would besiege the city from taking the water source he sent as a gift the walls of the Hechal the Mikdash to the king of Ashur he added an extra month when we were already in the month of Nisan and they didn't agree doesn't accept the Pasuk that this is your first month, meaning Zenisan Venachar Nisan, meaning there can't be two Nisans. Ella Tabri Shmuel. He made a mistake about the following ruling that Shmuel later explicated. If you have a thirtieth day of Adar, on that day you don't add an Adar. You can add an Adar till then. And Shmuel said you can't do it, however, because the thirtieth of Adar might end up being Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And since it might be Rosh Chodesh Nisan, you can't add the day, even though it really is thirtieth of Adar. And so he didn't know that information, meaning he didn't think that we have to add in the consideration well, that this may become Nisan. All right, back to the. Uh, Before we move on to the story of the Shunamit. Uh, there's an observation from Yochanan's Bishum Rabbi Yosef and Zimra. Kola tole bishchut atzmo, tolein lo bishchut acherim. Anybody who makes a claim and uh, and asks for something in prayer, it should be by his own merit. 
then he is given it with the merit of others. If he recalls on others' merit, then it's granted to him for his own schut. Let's see what that means. Moshe is always the model for us. Asked God to forgive B'nai Yisrael b'schut others, not himself. So God answered him b'schut Moshe. Which we've already seen uh, invoked. Moshe uh, is credited with the one who stood in the breach to uh, stop God's anger. Chizkiyahu, on the other hand, Remember how I walked greatly in front of you. And God saved the city, not for him. I'll save the city for me and for David. Chizkiyahu says, My peace is bitter. Even when he had peace, it was bitter because it was done b'schut acherim, b'schut David, and not b'schut atzmo. To the story of the Shunamit, which was just which was just invoked um, about uh, Chizkiyahu, the story of the Shunamit and Elisha. What happened is Elisha was passing by Shunem, and this Shunamit woman who had no children said to her husband, "We should make a room for him to stay in. He's an Ish Kadosh." She said, "Let's give him a some sort of a, a loft." Meaning that they had an open loft and they put a wall up. Now they had a big portico and they divided it in two. The one who said that's why it says they put up a wall. If you say it's a loft, why say that they put walls around it? That's why it says Aliyah, it's a loft. Why does they call it Aliyah? Meaning it was a really fine house. Not Aliyah up, but Aliyah good. So we're going to put a bed, and a, and, a, and a table, and a chair, and a lamp. If you're going to get benefit and take hospitality, you should go for it. Take it like Elisha. If you don't want to, then then you should really take nothing from anybody, just like Shmuel did. It describes at the end of the, the narrative of Shmuel himself, at the end of Paragzion of Shmuel Aleph, that Shmuel was a circuit judge, and he would go all around, and then he would come back to Ramah, because that was his home. After Shiloh was destroyed, that's where he was born, the he would take his house with him. All right, so that's the ideal of not not accepting hospitality. You can certainly imagine lots of people along the way would be honored to have Shmuel stay in their house. So back to the Shunamit, she said, I know that he's a holy man. Women recognize their guests more than the men do. Kadoshu, Menayada, how did she know it was holy? There was never a fly going over his table. She gave him a linen sheet or a linen blanket and never saw a carrier there. He's holy, but his valet, Gehazi, is not so holy, as we find out later on. And here we hear the, the, the piece that supports that. When the woman came 
to Elisha to say, please come save my child, Gechazu first approached her, and he approached her, kind of pushed her out of the way. What's the draw? He grabbed her at her beauty, meaning he grabbed her at her, at her chest. So he's a licentious guy. He later turns out to be a real lout in the story with Naaman. So why does the woman say to her husband, he's passing by here all the time, about Elisha, anybody who has a Tamil Chacham stay in their house, and he gives them of his own food, etc. It's like the host is bringing a Korban Tamid, it's that merit. The Amma Rabbi Yosef Rechanina Mishum Rabbi Lozer Ben Yaakov. So in the same tradition, Ayim Adam Makom Gavori Palel. This is Lahalacha. You should not stand on a high place and dive. And Makom Namuchli Palel. Stand on a low place. Shema Mimamakim Kratzi Chadonai. Call to you from the depths. Tell me, Achim Adam Lo'agai Kisei. Don't stand on a chair. Lo'agai Shrafraf or on a bench. Lo Makom Gavori Palel on a high place. Lo Makom Namuchli Palel. Rather on a low place and dive. Ushein Gavrut the Tnei Makom. There is no height. Height. In front of God, you can't get higher and get closer to God. The prayer is of the poor person who covers himself, wraps himself up in prayer. So acting like a poor person. When you dive, you have to put your feet together. We're imitating the angels, and in Chizkiel, they describe it, described as both the legs being like one straight leg. When this in Sanhedrin, Samachay becomes a mitzvah, a uh, a law that has many, many different applications. Uh, another one of them is this, you're not allowed to eat before you dive in. Somebody who eats and drinks and then davens, that's a shachri, of course. Pasuk says, this is what Achia uh, says to uh, Yoravam, Yoravam's wife, you have thrown me over your back. You've thrown me over your pride. Meaning, this guy's pride, taken pride himself, fed himself, and then now he's davening, now he's accepting me? Doesn't work that way. It's the wrong order. Okay, back to the Mishnah. The Mishnah said, that we, that we say, we have until three hours. That's the halacha. What is life or? You could say Shema after three hours, but you can't say Yotzer Or. You do say Birchot Kriyat Shema. has been disproven. You do say Birchot Kriyat Shema after three hours. You just didn't say it in time. The other version is Rav Chista actually said that, that you do not lose the Brachot. You do make the brachot. And now this final observation. If you say Kriyachman, it's proper time. It's greater than studying Torah. If you read late, it's like reading Torah. So if you read in the proper time, then it's even better than the study of Torah. Okay, we'll pause at this point. We'll uh, pick it up in the next podcast. We should have a wonderful day.